You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Well, Mary, you know, it's the day after the inauguration. You and I are feeling positive, and I... You know, we've kind of agreed that this is going to be a sibling talk to celebrate uh, what's gone on. I I have to mention one thing, because there is a group I feel badly for before we begin our, our joy. Uh, for the members of Q, QAnon, it was a tough day. <laughs> it was, because I don't, I don't know if you know, the real QAnon belief was that what was going to happen, the National Guard had enclosed all of this, and because it was contained, the FBI or somebody was going to step forward, arrest Biden and all of the Democratic leadership. You think I'm making this up? I'm not. Take them to the basement of the Capitol where they would be tried for treason. And while that happened, then uh, Donald Trump would come forward and he would be inaugurated. Now, as you maybe have noticed, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> so I, John Paulette, your partner in Sibling Talk, I want to do something for these people who are so disappointed. And so I am organizing R Anon. R, as you know, the next letter after Q. This is the next great thing. When Q didn't work, you go to R. And I can prove that this is worthwhile. Two quick things. R is the 18th letter of the language. Yesterday, Joe Biden signed 17 executive decisions. The 18th is the uh, command to have him arrested. R, one more quick proof. Ulysses S. Grant was the 18th president of the United States. Right before him, Andrew Johnson, who was impeached. Makes you think, doesn't it? Oh, my John, I'm sorry to say, but if you put that out like on, what is it called, 8chan or something, you could yeah. start a thing. Because it's I a little so. bit how QAnon started. Absolutely. And people will kind of do a history and they'll say, where did R come from? And they'll search and everything and they'll say, sibling talk, that's where R came from. I know, but you have to keep putting out crazy stuff to keep people engaged. Oh, so I that know. becomes you grew up a cottage, cottage industry. Yeah, you grew up with me. You know, I have no end to crazy stuff I can put out there. Okay. <laughs> okay. But besides the problem of our, it was a beautiful day, wasn't it? It was. I mean, and the weather cooperated, which in D.C. on Inauguration Day, it doesn't always. But... And I had so many different text groups going, but in one of them, somebody said, and I was like, oh, it's a great day. It makes me feel like American again. Somebody said, yeah, that's not how the other side feels today. And I was like, well, that's a buzzkill. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, <laughs> but nothing was, was... I mean, I'm sure it's true that people maybe didn't watch it or watched it and thought this is horrific. But I think for most Americans, a majority of Americans watched the whole spectacle and thought, wow, this feels so normal. Well, it does. And I, you know, I was thinking about something yesterday. You made the point back in November that the election 
which you know we had looked forward to with so much fear and trepidation, that the election itself was very normal. Took a little bit longer to count some votes, but it was essentially a very normal thing. It ran very well. And with all the buildup, and I get, you know, the pandemic was there. I get the security things. It actually was a pretty normal inauguration in many ways. It really was. I mean, so first of all, we had the fashion commentary, which I know you weren't into, but a lot of people were, myself included. Oh, but I was on one part. I was on Bernie Sanders. That man (laughs) is a fashion statement. And I sent you that picture this morning because it was talking about his gloves, which were like made of recycled sweaters. And it's sitting alone in that, you know, with his parka on. Yeah, he looked awesome. And did you see uh, that he had stamped envelopes? He was going to go yeah. to the post office, for God's sake. <laughs> he, he said to himself, okay, this morning, get my dry cleaning, go over to that thing for Joe, and then mail some letters. <laughs> so he was awesome. Um, a lot of other people, though, were, like, pretty fancy. So I... I really enjoyed that so much. And one of the other things I enjoyed, and this is not unique to me, but um, seeing the Clintons, the Bushes, and the Obamas, that, you know, that is American royalty. And they're all there, um, you know, acting like grownups and adults. The other thing that I thought was very powerful and meaningful was Mike and Karen Pence. And I know you and I have been like, you know, Pence haters, but I think it took a lot of courage for him to be there. It could not have been comfortable, but they were there. They stood up. It was very classy. And um, I'm glad they were there. I think they needed to be there. I was glad Trump wasn't because you know, he just takes up so much oxygen, and it wasn't his day. It was Joe's day. Well, and, you know, but, they call former presidents, actually, you always call them a president, but former presidents, uh, the most exclusive club in the world. I, You know, it was a statement yesterday. It is the most exclusive club, and he's not in it. He's not no. in it. And you know where it really struck me? When they went to the tomb of the unknown soldiers, such a moving thing. And to see them standing there, and I was thinking, these are the men, and someday women, but these are the men who have the power to send this country to war and have young women and men uh, killed. And that solemn occasion, I frankly, I was glad he who shall not be named was not there. Yeah, and, and it was quite moving. It was beautifully done. Uh, one of the things about the whole day, it was, is normalcy. And in a way it's simplicity. And what is one of the things that's made the United States a great country is that the peaceful transfer of power is a normal thing. Every four years we stand up, we do that. You take an oath on a big old Bible, you give a speech, you know, you have a lunch. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's not too much more than the traditions that surround somebody's wedding. And I thought that yesterday, with all the challenges, both security and pandemic, 
really captured that. And it was mostly about the families, about Joe and Kamala. Um, I, I was really impressed by it. And I thought all of the performances, just to talk about the like non-political stuff, I know some people were talking about Lady Gaga's dress. I myself was thinking about your um, your your wife Sabina because she would not only love that dress, she might have worn that dress. And I thought Lady Gaga was phenomenal, and she as she is, and she sang that song as a tribute to the strength of the United States, how it still stood after two weeks ago, the Capitol being invaded. And that could not be missed when she sang the national anthem. Well, you know, what was so clear when we saw uh, uh, the fire, fire person, I'm going to get the wrong, wrong word, uh, who both did the Pledge of Allegiance and did it inside, uh, African-American woman. We hear, uh, uh, the the phrases in Spanish, we see this great diversity of people. It was a wonderfully diverse thing. And that was so beautiful. And it was really put into stark relief for me from the comments that Mike Pompeo had made one day before where he said, multiculturalism is not what this country is about multiculturalism makes this country weak in the eyes of the world. And I just wanted to stand up and shout, Mike, take a look at this. You're wrong, pal. You're wrong. The diversity of cultures and expressions is what makes this country great. And you and all of your Trumpites, you're simply wrong. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, John, because it is something they've gotten wrong. So if you think of all the major um, advanced democracies in the world, which would be us, Europe, um, you know, the thing that the, we're all struggling with, all these countries, is can you form not around an ethnicity or a color or a language, but can you form a strong country around an idea? a concept and create community around that multiculturalism. And in many ways, the United States has done that better than uh, most of Europe, England, France. And what I think we've witnessed in the last four years is the fight against that, right? Pompeo's uh, view of it, which is that we are not multicultural. And what the United States just told us through its voters is, oh, yeah, we are. What we saw yesterday, you like it, you don't like it. That's the United States of America. And everybody with talent and hard work can be a part of it. So I was thinking about that young poet laureate who was, in my opinion, the star of the show. Uh, She was so amazing. I I texted to someone, it was like poetry slam, dance, music, a speech, all rolled into one. And um, if she doesn't stand for and represent the best of us, I don't know who does. No, absolutely. And she, you know what phrase came in my mind? This is why poetry matters. 
Now, I have a degree in poetry, so I've got a little bit of an edge. But when you listen to her, and, you know, we all think back to laboring through it in school, this is why poetry matters. Yes, because in a sense, she gave the inaugural address yesterday. I, and we haven't even talked about Biden's. And he didn't do either of the things we wanted him to do. Um, yeah, he's gotten great marks on the speech. I thought it was, you know, it was right for the moment. Was it the best inaugural speech ever? I don't think it'll be remembered like that. But it was the speech of the moment. And he did say what we needed to hear when that one best line, you know, which is democracy has, oh my God, I forget, did he say? Has, has no. prevailed, right? Pre right, has prevailed. prevailed. And um, I thought that was a powerful line and a great line. Um, but he said what we all needed to hear. And that it was like yesterday is what we all needed to hear it was this big sigh of relief for all of us, including last night's um, show for America, which I think they should do the inauguration. And this is, again, not unique to me, like that every single time, because it allowed all of us to enjoy the inauguration instead of big donors who go to balls and wear expensive dresses. Exactly right. I, I'll tell you, there were some small things. I, I agree. This was not overwhelming sweeping oratory. Joe Biden from Scranton in Delaware, he doesn't do that. But there were moments in it. Uh, one of them, small moment, when he did the call out to the, to the suffragettes who had marched on the mall a hundred and a little change mm. uh, uh, before, the resonance of that mention, along with Kamala uh, on the stage with everything else uh, uh, going on. That's that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Don't you think? I thought that was good. And he gave a shout out to um, Jimmy Carter, right? Wasn't he it did. Him? He did. And, and, I and a good one. I was so happy. And, uh, me too. I was so happy about that because for many people, our generation, which he's older than us, but um, you know, Jimmy Carter was the first one to save us, you know, from this kind of moment. And regardless of what happened to his presidency, we remember his presidency as a fresh start from the Nixon years. And I thought I was very happy he did that, honestly. And he didn't dwell on what's been bad. Now, one of the other things I thought he said that was important was, uh, you know, we we have to value truth over lies, whatever that was. Another important message of how we find our shared truths. Well, you know, Great you're on, you've been on two key points here. When he says democracy prevailed, that says that we were under threat. He didn't have to go through and draw that out. When he says we must emphasize truth, that says we've been lied to. All of that was packed in. And I think that was done very, very, very well. Me too. So, you know, if you remember back to like before October, before the election, we were making our predictions. And I said, and I, you know, been saying this really four years is that the institutions are not holding. Will the people hold? And yesterday was a demonstration. And he did say this. 
you know, something like not all of us, uh, not all of us did this, but many of us did this. The people held. And democracy, at the end of the day, is about the people. The power is in the people. And yesterday, I felt like, yes, the power is in the people. I've got just one quibble to end with. Justice Sonia Sotomayor does not know how to pronounce the vice president's name. And she when, should have practiced that. She should. <laughs> and when she went to do the oath, she called on Kamala or something. <laughs> Kamala, right. Kamala Harris. And, and it turns out uh, Kamala's middle name is Debbie. Yeah. It, I, for, I thought maybe it was Debbie. D-E-V-I, like in any word, but I think you're right. I think it's Debbie. I, I got to double check that because, man, there's got to be a story behind how you gave somebody such a cool first name as Kamala, and then you and your husband said, so what should we make her middle name? I don't know. How about Debbie? <laughs> in case she wants to go by that. <laughs> yeah, people will correct me. Maybe it is Debbie, and I heard it wrong. All right. We would have time to talk about things if somebody hadn't spent so much time on the Aranon movement, but we got to wind it up. <laughs> talk All to right, you. Talk. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.